Hello and welcome to the Board Game Jerk podcast, the show where we take randomly generated sentences and turn them into weird and wonderful new game ideas. My name is Rebecca and I am joined as ever by our hosts Chris and Jason and also with us today our special guest Ben Maddox. Now before we fire up the machine, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm a technical writer by day and by night I uh, write a few small interactive fiction and kind of narrative games and some small role play scenarios and um, a couple of other board game related things. Um, yeah, and that's basically me. Jason, how about you? Um, I'm a uh, full-time freelancer in the pen and paper slash tabletop game industry, and the concept of night and day are meaningless. Um, I, uh, I mostly work as the editor, the line editor for Chaosium's RuneQuest game line, and I um, also do the Dune RPG for Modifius. So that's what I spend most of my time on. And some hearty franchises there. Rebecca, we can't forget about you. What about yourself? Oh, um, well, I am the person in the podcast who knows nothing about games. Um, but as Chris perhaps accurately pointed out um, just before we started, that is, uh, has been changing over the past months. Um, so let's see. <laughs> um, and Ben, our special guest of the day, uh, please let us know something about yourself. So my name's Ben, although I prefer to go by my nom de plume, Rob. Um, I host the Five Games for Doomsday podcast, which is a podcast in which I speak to board game luminaries about their life, and I do very little talking. So I'm going to make an exception here. And I think the, the Five Games for Doomsday is um, a wonderful kind of concept to bring you on the show. We're working our way ever so slowly through the uh, Berlin-based board game and role-play game Luminaires, which I believe you are I, one. I, oh, absolutely. I like the term <laughs> Luminaire. I ride in, I ride, I do ride to work in a hot air balloon, so it makes sense. <laughs> How do you get a hot air balloon in your apartment? That's quite fascinating. You, well, you let the air out, obviously. Ah, fair enough, yes. <laughs> um, and actually, Jason has been a previous guest, so if you want to go and find that episode, then you can. go and search the archive. Yeah. Absolutely. And right, so... I have to quickly get across the uh, legal disclaimer. We are going to generate some ideas. Most are probably nonsense. Some might actually be workable ideas that you might think, hey, I'm going to write a game based on that idea. And that's totally fine. We actually put out all the content by on a Creative Commons um, attribution license. But if you do do that, then please let us know. Send us royalty checks or just send us some free chocolate. And that will make us very, very happy. I'm on a diet at the moment, so no chocolate. <laughs> carrots. Send me carrots through Send the post. Carrots. <laughs> okay, let's fire up the bot. And I do believe, Jason, you're going to introduce our first topic. All right, then. Um, I will, let's see what the results are as the ticker tape spools out with the... Uh, the completely randomized result here. It really um, actually is. Yes. <laughs> it says action drafting game where you are, meaning the players, are corporations delivering abstract tokens in China. 
That is quite meta, actually. Yes. I mean, (laughs) uh, like immediately it clicks in my head that this could be something like a a sort of a meta game about the making of board games, you know, all of which are printed in China these days. It's actually quite true. Let's very quickly just uh, cover, and I will use board game geek in a relation here, uh, to describe what action drafting is. Players select from an assortment of actions in a shared pool. The available actions are limited in quantity, and once the player has chosen an action, it may not be chosen again. So some classic examples of this are Puerto Rico, Twilight Imperium, um, some more recent examples are Rising Sun, Barrage. I mean, it's actually quite a few of them, I think. Uh, you've probably played one like it. Do you have any other examples, Ben, that people might know? Oh, I got an action. Away? Uh, I'm nodding because I'm agreeing with those games. Okay, I good. can't think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> so I must admit, I fed the abstract tokens a uh, topic into the board game jerk bot some time ago as a little bit of a, a meta reference. And now Jason has described it. It is quite meta. I don't know if we want to go down that path or is it a bit too inside baseball? I don't know. I, I was thinking that, you know, a board game where you're actually making board games and trying to accumulate uh, the correct assortment of playing pieces so that you can be the first to market sounds kind of fun. I mean, far be it from me to bring politics into this, but, you know, imagine an abstract token that everyone holds their complete destiny upon and people are thrown out of their houses for the accumulation of these abstract tokens. I don't know, sounds a bit like the modern economy. Maybe we could just call it (laughs) stupid stock market, everyone's going to die the game. Capitalism. I like that title. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, both these directions are good, I think. (laughs) Um, should, should I know what an abstract token is? <laughs> I, I, it's literally what it says. It, sometimes you get a lot of a lot of board games where really the tokens are somewhat meaningless and the theme is somewhat plastered on top. And it's kind of basically that. It really means nothing. It's supposed to represent something, but does it? Well, I mean, I actually like. I mean, going a little further with this, uh, I, if we might be moving into the brainstorming section of this. Yes, we are indeed. Like this, this could be quite fun in that you could sort of have. It could be very uh, uh, a parody of a lot of popular board games, you know, with like uh, names that reflect those, you know. Um, you know, various like pick a top 10 popular board games and have these uh, little boards that are actually representing what goes in the box. <laughs> and so you would like cruise around to all the manufacturers in this abstract map of China and you would somehow try to collect or purchase like, okay, I need little bricks for this this game mechanic and this mechanic, I need meeples and over here I need dice and, you know, like all of the various widgets and tchotchkes you get in a board game. And so the idea could be that um, you basically have sort of almost a, a what is, what's the game, trivial pursuit style, little pie to fill with different widgets and uh, little pieces from whatever board game you have. So if you've got a train game, you could be trying to get little train cars and little tracks 
And if you've got I, some sort of weird social game, I you shudder at the copyright. I must admit. <laughs> well, you would have. I, I think people would love having tiny versions of games. I think that would just yeah. sell in and of itself. You know, like a little board, like the size of a coaster or something like that. And then it's got little pieces, and you, you know, you go land on a factory, and you can either buy or draw a card to see what random pieces they have available for you. A little like. Um, uh, Azul with, you know, like trying to get the right tokens so that you can make your, complete your set. And, uh, uh so do we, do we, I, I really like this, <laughs> but then what if you said the word like cruising around to manufacturers, which makes me think of just going around in an open top car being like, Hey, I need some meeples. <laughs> and things like this. To make it like even more, I guess, as it would be like, it's the problems you're dealing with or the actions are to do with the supply chain and things like this. So you're actually coming up with those issues or things not being in stock and stuff. So it's more like that. This is very on topic, actually. I, I've encountered a couple of people running Kickstarters at the moment or in the past year, especially, where they're having a lot of troubles with fulfillment and shipping. Shipping has become very expensive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, a, a possible title could be like first to market or something. Like you've got a great idea for a board game. You're just trying to get the thing printed and boxed up and shipped. And you've got a budget of however much money you made for your crowdfunding. And so, you know, you, <laughs> you land on the factory. You can buy exactly the right tokens or you can sort of draw randomly and hope you get something that you can use, you know, and maybe the card has it being like meeples or little sticks. And there could be a trading mechanic where you could spend like three sticks to get one meeple or something bizarre like that. You could call it, you, you could call it Tiananmen Square board game competition day, where you're in China. It's approaching Chinese New Year, and the government what they do is they drive out in vans to various places and they deliver random abstract components to different companies. And their job is to create a game, and then at the culmination of the game, it's in two phases. The first is a secret building sort of real-time component grab mechanic where you put all things together, and then the second half is everyone descends on the square for the National Board Game Day, and you remove your player screen and you reveal your game, and based on certain point-scoring criteria, the person who has the best functioning game for the facilitation of Chinese happiness is the winner. <laughs> wait, wait, this is, this is a Chinese board game science fair. Exactly, exactly. Right. <laughs> because they've realised, the Chinese government have realised that essentially the most powerful industry in China is board game production. And so what they're doing is pumping lots of national resources into the production of board games. And if we only released a game in China, we could get around the copyright issue. Exactly. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just replace and the we, name we, with kanji because we get around no one can issue. read them anyway. We don't have to ship it anywhere. It's just only available in China. Exactly. We solve a lot of problems. Yeah. I, I like it. It's a limited market for us. <laughs> I mean, China's hardly a limited market. I mean, sell one copy to each citizen, you're golden. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid growing up, that was the thing that China was famous for, having tons of people. Yes, it, it still is, actually. <laughs> right, absolutely. They haven't gotten, gotten rid of them. <laughs> now, before we get takedown warnings, I'm sure we have at least 25% of our audience based in China. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, I, my, my idea is very much having spoken to a lot of people who are trying to get 
you know, and it's a, it's amazing. It's like buy the, these one pieces from this company, get these yeah. other pieces from another, and here's your board or your board is being printed here. And you have to sort of assemble all of this remotely, you know, via either some sort of a Chinese printing agent, or you're actually interfacing with a lot of different manufacturers and printers. And then they all sort of assemble it somewhere. And then it goes on a box and then it goes on a crate in a, chip and then hopefully it doesn't sink which happened there's, there's some there's some kind of you could have an event deck of things like oh, yeah. but what about a dexterity element with a dice mechanic and when your opponent's ship is going across you've got a handful of dice and you can throw them at the ship going across the board and if you manage to knock any crates so you can have like nice stackable lego type crates except they don't have the clicky click together thing. They're like um, the recent reprint of Container where you get the uh, the nice things. And you can throw dice at it or you can throw some sort of token or cubes or something. And any crate you knock off is a deduction of points for, for the opposition player. I like that idea, but the bot has decreed this is an action drafting game. So we oh, should God, possibly... I, for, I completely forgot action drafting, yeah. yeah right. We should possibly drafting. dig into that. What would the actions be? What are the actions we're going to need in this... Obviously, throw, throwing dice at containers. Yeah, throw <laughs> dice. <laughs> I don't see why we can't combine them. So it can be different. Actually, I always forget the is... name of it, but there's that wonderful um, like dungeon game where you throw cards in... Is it cards or dice at a at a concentric circle? Dungeon fighter, yeah, yeah. And I played it at the last Berlin board game fair, and everyone looks ridiculous when you play it. Oh, don't is, don't mention conventions, Chris. Yeah, I know. What are you? I'm gonna cry. <laughs> but it was it was it's kind of looks ridiculous, but that's a way you can combine them. Maybe action drafting to match a some kind of physical action. I, I don't really know. So you could draft a designer. So you could have one one action is draft a designer. So you have a raft of designers and you choose, do I want an Ameritrash game? Do I want a war game? Do I want a Euro game? And you know, you have Uwe Rosenberg, Eric Lang, Mark Herman, and you can, the action is draft a designer and you have this depleting pool of designers until you get to, you know, Ben Maddox or something. And uh, like, no one wants that card. And you actually get given a, a government grant because you've, hired someone who's completely useless and yeah one action could be draft a designer and that puts you on a path then of what subsequent components is so like an order filling mechanic right so if you draft if you draft uve rosenberg you need to then subsequently draft wooden sheep and you need to draft fancy things and you need to have a worker placement aspect in your game and if it's eric lang you need to have dice and big miniatures and all of that sort of stuff right and that chooses then subsequently which which manufacturer you will go to to procure those bits <laughs> i think we've we've already got exceptionally meta so why not go further very meta. <laughs> zubin meta. rebecca yes <laughs> I, had a, I had a feeling you were going to say something Oh, no. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just completely lost you. Even I'm partially lost at this point. <laughs> I guess uh, signature designers um, have signature mechanics. Not always, but a lot of mm. the time. Sure. Um, and signature publishers have a tendency to put out certain designers and et cetera, et cetera. It sends you down a very fixed path. I think feeding into some of what uh, Jason was saying earlier, um, it could be that um, you know, you're not forced down that path. But if you don't go down that path, there's a, a loss of 
a loss of points or a loss of something, you know. Um, and if like it's that. and if it's an action drafting thing, you could have a a limitation on. So you have essentially a recipe card which you have to fulfill, which is the game you're producing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. You've got a little list. If you could abstract it to actually having a little fake board where you're filling in spaces, that would make it very visual, very tactile. And you have a phase sort of limitation by which time you have to have you have to have procured certain elements towards your game, which means then if you haven't fulfilled it by that certain time, that's a reduction of points. Or if you decide to go a certain way, certain components might confer certain points, but then you will get a a, a point deduction based upon possible consumer reaction to something that's out of genre. You know, BGG posts saying, this isn't a Euro game, sort of thing. Rebecca, how are you feeling here? We have actually done 10 minutes of brainstorming. Does this make sense? We actually have gone pretty single-focused, to be honest with you. I don't know if there's much to adjudicate, but... Yeah, well, um, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure how, how the game would work, but it, I feel as though generally this is um, essentially therapy for those who have um, funded a game on Kickstarter, really. <laughs> and this is, this is really just getting it out. That's, that's, I assume where, where this, these bubbling feelings of like throwing things at stuff came from and that, that kind of thing. So I've yeah. never run a Kickstarter, but I never will. Exactly, exactly. And you already wanted. just just see you say you never will and you've never run one. It's because you've already seen the pain and misery yeah, of absolutely. others. And that's sure. how much it transcends. We we didn't completely go down all of the uh actions, but I think that's okay. Now, the most important aspect. I, I have a feeling this game could be immensely successful amongst a certain niche of people. Mm. That niche would love it. Everyone else wouldn't get it, which is completely understandable. But so we need to come up with a witty title here. I'm not 100% sure if we're sticking down the China path or the broader path. Jason tends to be our uh, pun pun creator for titles, but um, I, most important I, aspect. I suggested first to market, yeah. which Good. I think if it's not already taken, like the idea that you're trying to get your stuff onto the ship as soon as ahead of everyone else. And you could have... Um, you know, various uh, things like, well, you have to get this piece printed before you get this piece printed. Otherwise, you end up with certain problems. But um, yeah, could that be the no, like the idea, the, the kind of pretense at the start is there is a, a, a ship leaving in X amount of time, <laughs> and only yeah. there's only this much space for games, and so you've got to kind of that's that's what's bringing the competition about. Right, you've got to basically get your your boxed games to the. Um, the the shipyard to the to the um whatnot you know first because that's the ship that leaves everyone else is late to the market and so they don't win quick starter like the game the of rapid line. game production quick starter. absolutely <laughs> quick start I, I would almost suggest that if not for the immediate cease and desist <laughs> and, then, and then the subtitle it can't be that hard can it no yeah oh oh, oh the pain i like this quick starter i can't see any problem as long as we launch on indiegogo i can't see any problem with it <laughs> <laughs> there's games on tabletop as well they would and the logo sure. can be in the font of quick save the former the former <laughs> 
British discount supermarket that I'm sure you're very mm. familiar with, Jason. You could buy you could buy seven kilograms of custard creams for nineteen p. Oh, broken biscuits. Oh yes, I remember barrels of broken biscuits. Oh. Anyway, before I go, we all go down. I think we're all of a similar age, so before we go down, a reminisce that loses the rest of the audience. Let's uh, let's let's. I think that's a good title. So, first turn. I reckon. Um, so, Rebecca. Um, you have a series of actions in front of you. You need to basically get the pick you can of designer, kind of mechanic, publisher, pieces, and get to the ship as quickly as possible. You get first pick of the actions. What action do you want to take? Um, sabotage. Sabotage, okay. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens when you do that? What do you do? But it, well, it's probably not very useful if I'm doing it before people have got things. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to go to a rival manufacturer. Oh no, change the files that they send so that they make a misprint. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, ben, sabotage is gone. What, what are you gonna take out of the remaining actions? Uh, my first turn is upload obscure image to Board Game Geek. <laughs> okay. It worked for Jamie Stegmeyer. Out of the remaining actions, yes. <laughs> what about you, Jason? I suppose I'll go for redesign, where I have to basically throw out my game design entirely based on um, uh, what pieces are available or what I see the other people are doing and come up, like, perhaps draw a new game board. Okay. You know, basically back to formula. I take a look at what's left. I'm only really seeing a couple of options left. I'm going to go for... Spend three quarters of funding on big name designer and hope for the best. That's the action I'm wow. going to take. <laughs> and uh, I think that puts me in good in good stead. Let's see what the random event deck generates. Um, tropical storm in um, in uh, oh god, what's the region of China where everything's made? Um, Shenzhen. Shenzhen. Uh, everyone goes back a step or delayed or, or something like that. Shenzhen <laughs> or maybe we get more time yeah. because the ship, Actually, the, the point. Sh- cargo point. ship yeah. won't be arriving. Yeah. 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 The cargo ship is stalled. Yeah. So you've got another, you know, another. So cycle. you get, you get extra, you get extra production points, but you also, you also lose hype points on disgruntled people on yes. the Kickstarter comments. <laughs> you have to waste a turn dealing with people complaining about the delay. <laughs> <laughs> if I might digress just a tiny bit into a personal anecdote, <laughs> um, I, I work in the pen and paper industry and I've done some shopping around for dice and various things. And so that means like liking dice manufacturers on Facebook. And I, for some reason, became the target of a lot of friend requests from Chinese dice manufacturers so that they could always send me their little catalogs and tell me what they had. And I watched this drama play out over Facebook, social media postings from individual dice manufacturing representatives about this one guy who left his company and took their client list and went to another company (laughs) and did something like sabotage their files (laughs) and all of their stuff. And so all of these other dice manufacturers are saying like, do not trust so-and-so. He is a bad person. He did this. It's a cutthroat world. It happens a lot in China. (laughs) Yeah. He pops up and he's like, I have a new dice company and I'm going to offer great rates and look at all these dice patterns I have that are cool. 
cool and new and interesting. And I thought those look really familiar. It's actually kind of amazing. I ran one half of a booth once at Essen with an extremely prototyped game. And I got so many freebies from Chinese manufacturers. I'm still working my oh, way yeah, through yeah. them. And that was just me. Like little little amateur Joe. <laughs> I mean, I wish it could be I wish it could be cake freebies and burger freebies rather than single dice freebies. Do you know what I mean? It would not have lasted me four years either, unfortunately. Business card samples and things like that. I, well, yeah, yeah. Actually some of them have been useful. Occasionally I'm like, oh I need a random token. Hang on a minute. Let me look in my random Chinese assortment box. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brilliant. Quick starter slash first to market. <laughs> who will get their first slash meta meta? Who uh, <laughs> been meta? It can't be that hard. <laughs> I think that sounds like actually quite a go. Or how hard can it be? How hard can it be? <laughs> how difficult can it be? Something like that. Rebecca, let's fire up the bot one last time and tell us what comes out. An Ameritrash game where you are robots painting cities in the 1920s. This is interesting. So Ameritrash, and I like this board game geek, no relation, uh, doesn't actually have an official mechanic page for Ameritrash. <laughs> it's, it's just a wiki page. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more of a, it's more of a feeling. In it's some a respects. genre rather yeah. than a specific Yeah. Genre. They tend to border a little bit more on theme heavy and be a bit more random, often tied in with franchise with um with um IPs. IPs. So a lot of the Cthulhu games, Battlestar Galactica, Dune. Um they've also listed Axes and Allies, which is not completely an IP, but anyway. <laughs> Very much an Ameritrash game though. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of if you've ever played games by Fantasy Flight, uh, a lot of their games kind of fit in this bucket sometimes. There's a there's a there's a lot of them. I'm kind of a fan of them when I'm in the mood for it, like having yeah, a drink sure. with like a few a lot friends of these and stuff games. like that. <laughs> you know, you don't play them to be strategic. You play them for a bit of fun. That's and to immerse yourself loosely in a theme. I mean, negative kind of, on the negative side though, they can tend to be fiddly and have yes. lots of exception rules. And if X happens, then Y. But if Y happens, then B. Yeah, uh, that's that's the drawback sometimes with them. But yeah, they're they, they, they get unfairly maligned, I think, amongst yes. the cognoscenti. Indeed. Indeed. I may own a fair few as well, Jason. So <laughs> I, I think I own at least half of the examples on this uh, definition page, a couple of which are some of my favorites. They're generally good for solo play as well. This is one of the things. So, All right. Um, so I think we should address the, the first point here. Why are there robots in the 1920s? Steampunk, isn't it? Steampunk, Steampunk's yeah. the obvious issue, right? The obvious well, conclusion. Also, to be fair, the original definition of robot is quite old. It's a Czech it is. Uh, word, yeah. isn't it, I think? Yeah. From, I think, the yes. 1920s. It's from a sci-fi it, novel, yeah. Yeah, and it just means yeah. worker, I think, yeah. in Czech. Right, drone. So yeah. we could abstract that, although that gets a bit dull. <laughs> just workers painting cities gets a bit dull. Robot, Steampunk robots would be far more fun. Well, I guess it's what, what are the cities, right? Are they, yeah. is it really like they're painting buildings or is it they're creating something like they're creating <laughs> cities, but like Penny Crayon. I remember is? Penny Crayon, actually. <laughs> I don't. What this, is a, this is another one for all the international listeners. <laughs> Penny Crayon. I'm sure you're 
all all the people in Lithuania are bursting with nostalgia right at this moment. <laughs> well, as soon as I think as soon as you Google Penny Crayon, then you will. Like give it a week and you'll be bursting with Penny Crayon nostalgia. Right. Wasn't it wasn't it by the people who did Danger Mouse Penny Crayon? Uh may well be. Yeah. I I, so. I, same, no, same I, I remember it, but um at an age when oh. I wouldn't have known. Oh, this doesn't make other things. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Sue Pollard, is it? Oh, my God. Yeah. This is You're loving this, yeah. Jason. I assume. Yeah. I was out of college and living in Japan when that came out. <laughs> okay. I, think I, uh, I think I missed it. Maybe the animation you were watching at that time was a little more sophisticated than Penny Crayon. <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it was also was... produced by Yorkshire TV, which I, yeah. I think... <laughs> I think you were gonna you were gonna fill us in, Rebecca. I recognise the graphic now, but fill us in what it was about. Penny Crayon draws things, and when she draws things, they come to life. Oh, <laughs> yeah! So she can like draw a door on a wall and walk through it, or whatever. Um, okay. So it could be that kind of thing. So more exciting than just um, you know painting a building in real life. So robots are making cities by painting pictures of them? And they're them going to take over the real the cities by growing? building their own. Yes. Something like that. Mm. Crazy. <laughs> or is it some, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright freakish thing where he's, uh, and Nikolai Tesla has developed all of Ooh. these crazy robots Ooh, may- that, uh, yeah. you know, stomp through cities and re- revitalize and refresh them. I, I like all these aspects. <laughs> so, but I see, but, but Frank, we, Lloyd, Frank Lloyd Wright made everything to be like his height, right? So if you go in and the, the ceilings are really low because he was tiny and things like Human this. scale, he called it. Yeah, as I call it, <laughs> tiny. Um, yeah. um, so it could be the robots making uh, cities for robots. Right. So are we playing the robots or are we trying to stop them? I mean... The, from uh, you are, <laughs> the but. robots are painting our cities and we need to stop them <laughs> they're bringing joy to our lives this isn't capitalism oh, it could be a bit like uh, they live the movie where there's like a uh, people only us have seen the real truth of what's happened all right <laughs> yeah i mean yeah maybe henry ford is making you know Painting robots instead of cars. And oh yes, uh, I like I like alternative they're, they're, history stuff. Why not? I like I like, I like the I yeah. like the um the the they live sort of thing. So you can you can make it a kind of deduction then deduction then um sort of combat game in which we are the resistance. And the first half of the game is there are certain pieces on the board and you have to determine which piece on the board by a process of elimination is a robot, and then when you've determined which are robots and which are innocent civilians, then we come together using our ability to draw weapons and make them apparent in real life, and we have to shoot and kill the robots at the end of the game. <laughs> it is an Ameritrash game, after all. Yeah. And it could By be rolling dice. I feel like, uh, I think in our first or second episode, we had that game of Romans painting swords. I feel like this is in that <laughs> franchise. <laughs> so we, we have a follow-up game to that game now, maybe. Um, so alternate history actually was 
Forgive my ignorance. Henry Ford. That was the was that the twenties or was it later? Though? It was earlier. That was wasn't it? the yeah. That was the um, the Model T was discontinued in the uh, the late seventy or late twenties. Oh, okay, wow. Okay, I think twenty seven. So yeah, they were mass produced cars were all mm. over the place. I kind of like that. Like Henry Ford and Nikolai Tesla have ganged up to create steam powered or petrol powered robots, and there's which a- which one was Tesla? Was he DC or AC? Oh, I don't know. Because it was Edison versus Tesla, wasn't it? And Edison won out, but Tesla's was better. I watched that film in German last summer because it was really hot in that brief period when the cinemas were open. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Uh, I remember. <laughs> what? How does that match up? Okay. Like, ooh, air conditioners. <laughs> Tesla was, yeah, Tesla so was alternating. These AC-powered AC. robots that are seeking to destroy humanity. Actually, so have any of you read, and I do recommend it if you haven't, Perdido Street Station? I haven't. I've read other other ones of his books, but I haven't read that so, one. So this is the slight opposite, but the the robot kind of intelligence in the city, which are steampunky, kind of help the heroes by getting together. So it's almost kind of the reverse of that. Um, well, they have their own agenda, so it's kind of semi-helping. But um, it could be like the reverse of that where we, we've actually spotted that the robots are doing something and it's a plot by uh, the evil overlords of Henry Ford and Nikolai Tesla. Oh, I, the potential here. And yeah. I'm sure all this is out of copyright, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, they've got to be out of copyright, those people. <laughs> yeah, there was also that film uh, Sky Captain mm-hmm. in the World of Tomorrow that had sort of 1920s, right. 30s era robots stomping around New York. A whole army. If we get a move on, steampunk is still vaguely cool. I think it's probably on the way out, but (laughs) it's still vaguely cool. I think this is a nice idea. Uh, And being a Meritrash, everyone, of course, has some kind of character they play, probably. So, what kind of characters could we pick from the 20s who might fit into this sort of steampunk alternative history world? Well, you can have Lord Fauntleroy Johnson, who is a corpulent. A corpulent um, robber baron who has been convinced by the by the resistance of what's going on, and he has seen the truth, and he is using his massive dollar power to fund the resistance. So his special power is he is able to gift extra actions to other players because of wealth. <laughs> what about you, Rebecca? Is there a particular character from the 1920s or before that gravitates towards you in this race against the evil illusion creating robots? Um, Lydia Tronkelmeister, and she is uh, an engineer who was working um, on the robots and has since realized what's happening and has joined the resistance to fight back. So she has insider knowledge. <laughs> Jason, what's your character of choice? What's their special ability? Oh, it would probably almost have to be for a story like this, a 1920s era um, labor organizer Mm, fighting back against the robots and making sure that uh, the humans get uh, the, um, what do you say, decent working Mm. conditions and adequate pay and ownership over the means of production. Um, I don't know much more, but is, his name would have to be Jack something because heroic male Americans are always named Jack something. Jack Jones. <laughs> My name's Jack something. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Jack. I'm gonna pick a historical character. I actually just checked if he was still alive in the twenties. He was. 
good. I'm going to pick H.G. Wells. I think he'd be perfect mm, for oh, this yeah. kind of setting. <laughs> and he flies around in his time machine. So maybe having, he gets having to... Esoteric, no, having esoteric sex. <laughs> he gets to, maybe he gets That's to undo one robots. action per round in his time machine. Perhaps. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying, Rebecca? I was so infused about time machines. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm glad you knew the I just, I just imagined like having having a writer around whilst everyone's like, we're trying to like fight the robots. He's like, yeah, but but think of the narrative, guys. Um, <laughs> there's many fictional representations of people like H.G. Wells not really as writers, as being something else. I mean, H.G. Yeah, no, Wells no, would be going, I need to find some hashish, I need to find a room full of women, and I need to get hammered and have sex right now. That was that was H.G. Wells' bag. I, I don't know that side of him. I, I used to. Act, I actually grew up in London, nearby where he came from. So he's probably like the most famous person from that region prior to David Bowie, which is quite an interesting combination of people. So, <laughs> so, so actually, they would they would enjoy hanging out. But before we uh, get to uh, a tangent here, um, I think we basically have we've been very good about staying on on kind of. We said Ameritrash, we didn't really decide a mechanic. Uh, is it a kind of like, um, I imagine it a bit like an Eldritch horror, Arkham horror-esque yeah. kind of co-op Ameritrash game. So I mean, Different locations those. you can go to to get different yeah. things, but you have different... Yeah, and, and there's and, big bads you're trying to... Yeah, and you can get different information from different locations, which help you determine who the robots are. And then the combat mechanism is, you know... Is very dice. yeah. Add this, <laughs> add this, add this, add this. That's your dice pool. Roll, hit on a five and a six, and bosh. <laughs> I like this, and we'll set it to fantasy flight. Done. Okay. Um, um, are they still painting cities? Yeah, that's actually got a bit lost in the mix. Isn't it? <laughs> We're painting the cities with robot blood. I think the whole kind of of uh, illusion thing is is a like sub level there of. You, you can take the option whether to maybe attempt to convince the local population that what is happening is all a lie or you can just get rid of the robots or like you have different options to sort of break up the, um, the, the conspiracy maybe, you know. Uh, on the coming on the, the painting the town with blood, that could that come from? Could the whole thing have come from trying to uh, teach teach nuance and metaphor to to the robots and Tesla oh, getting a bit too enthusiastic, putting things like paint the town red, and they're like, yes, paint the town red. Yeah, <laughs> and therefore <laughs> got a bit. <laughs> Actually, Rebecca, I think you've just hit on the title. There we go. Oh. Yeah, paint the town red. There we are. <laughs> Paint the town dead. <laughs> it's it's a bit of it's a bit dark, but that doesn't. Yeah, matter. it's paint the town red, <laughs> written on a wall in blood, and yeah, then yeah. like the D is kind of painted over it, something like that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. it could yeah, be exactly. rusty red, you know, like that's to sort get of us a uh, uh, get us out of the M classification. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good. So. First turn, uh, Rebecca, with your lady Lydia. She's not Lydia a lady. She's Bontem. a worker. <laughs> Bontem, bada bada. Um, so I think maybe we have like an alternate history world map. Where does she start, and what does she do in her first turn? Oh, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good well, stuff. She, um, so, so Lydia is um, still. So she's working as a double agent. 
still for Ford, Tesla robot people. Um, and so she is undertaking a mission to go and um, steal uh, some of the, the plans or robot blueprints or something like this. Uh, so going back into the factory to do that. There you go. Tell me how that works in a game. Henry Ford... <laughs> Henry Ford and Nikolai Tesla, because if they had a company, it would be Tesla Ford, which has a lot of real world kind of interesting <laughs> potential there. <laughs> ben, your uh, Lord's Fondle, right? I think you said. Yeah, something like that. I, well, I'm taking I'm taking corporate redistribution, which means I start at the stock exchange. I <laughs> I sell short on Ford stocks. And I redistribute that money to the rest of my team that comes in the form of giving two extra combat dice to each other player. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like the politician character in, uh, in uh, Eldritch Horror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very similar physically too. <laughs> Jason, uh, your simple Jack, what's he doing? Where does he begin? What does he do? Excellent. Um, I think that it, uh, seeing the, the way things are playing out, I think that I need to call for a general strike. Absolutely. See, just grind the means of production to a halt. Seesaw flow of profit. Um, basically stop things until uh, my it's like, it's a distraction, I guess. A my distraction kind of mechanic, yeah. Essentially, yes. I'm slowing down everything so everybody yeah. else will be yeah. stymied with their... Uh, so I'm guessing HG World should start in some den of iniquity in uh, in London. I guess that's where he lived. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I mean, that's where he grew up, but I guess that's where he lived and worked. Um, what is his first turn? His first turn is um, someone kind of comes into the den of iniquity and tells him some crazy story of these, these steam-powered robots that are not what they seem, and he has to kind of prove that story whether it's actually true, whether it's just good material for his new next epic blockbuster. And that's what he's doing in this turn. Rebecca, in every kind of cooperative Ameritrash game, generally then the game plays against us. What's the game going to do against us? Oh, um, right. So what have we... <laughs> I think, yeah, the robots need to do something. We're calling all the strike. They've not, they've not done anything yet, have they? Uh... Oh, I don't know. I'm thinking like the emergence of um, of, of bodies, something something quite subtle. Though. Oh no, the general strike has been called. So they've just taken over. The robots have just started producing everything, and no one has noticed a difference. Yeah, backfires. The the strike backfires because they just say, "Well, if you're not working, here come the robots." Dun dun dun. People have been disappearing. Blood has been appearing on the walls of the city all around. <laughs> It's the robots. Um, Tesla and Ford, uh, mad on their success, have uh, started started making robots and they're doing bad things. So, so we're trying to stop it. Let's do that. It, involves <laughs> it was left killing for things. red. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Actually, this this could be uh, an intro for Ben's podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> this could be the source of the doomsday. I think quite appropriately. Okay, so out of the two ideas we had, we generally say which one would you like to play, and which one, if you had the time and the wherewithal, would you like to make? Jason, I get the feeling I know what your vote's going to be. <laughs> I I would put both towards the first one. I would say it's a perfect Venn diagram eclipse of those uh, 
because yeah, I um I think the latter one got a little too abstract <laughs> for my uh, my my focus. <laughs> I, I tend to find that games where I'm like, what are we doing here? To be uh to lose me rapidly. Ben, how about you? What, oh, would, definitely you the, what would you play? Definitely the second one. I think marketing wise, you know, paint the town dead with the R and the and robot things and you know it'd be great coming up with the different characters and the different special abilities and you could have custom dice and that would be amazing (laughs) (laughs) rebecca what would you make what would you play um yeah i I definitely play play the second one um yeah it sounds fun and i just said all the custom characters and custom dice and things that makes it sound even more fun um yeah i I wouldn't make either of them i've no idea how they work (laughs) (laughs) a very fair assessment i think i'm gonna go 50 50 i would definitely play the second one but for pure uh indie shimindi meta kudos and cool i would make the first one uh, and probably get sued left, right, and center. But uh, <laughs> that could be even better marketing. Or make a lot of friends. <laughs> you could also make a lot of friends in the industry. Everyone would come up to you and put their hand on your shoulder and say, I know how it goes. <laughs> come up to me and say, take all the references to me out of your game or I'll sue you until tomorrow. <laughs> They're board game manufacturers. They can't afford to sue yeah, you. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, so we have two very uh, interesting games there. Uh, possibly, yeah, we went a little wild. It's been a little while since we recorded, so I think we've potentially forgot ever so slightly how <laughs> how to even run the show. But that can sometimes add to add to the the craziness and the randomness, which is kind of the point. Um, let's wrap up the the episode. Um, Jason, how can people find you if they want to hear more? Um, oh, I, I am on, uh, Facebook all the time. Um, I, if you go to chaosium.com and look at the RuneQuest products, you can see those. Um, I was the line editor for Conan for a great chunk of my life and now that's wrapped up, but those products are even making their ways into stores now. And then, uh, the Dune stuff is coming out. So yeah, I'm, I'm just there. Um, I would say, uh, I would drop a hit about conventions i'm going to be attending but uh there's not much that would be time appropriate for this i mean so so yes that's how one would find me i don't do twitter and uh my uh uh, I don't do Instagram or I don't have a, any other podcast or anything <laughs> like that. There's actually there's a um uh there's a British podcast I listen to where everyone gives out a Twitter handle and then the last person says email me. And you're you're that, you're our <laughs> yes. person of, of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I don't have a Twitch channel. I just don't have anything. <laughs> it feels so sad. My life is so empty. <laughs> I don't think that's true, Jason. <laughs> Rebecca, how can people find out more about what you're doing and what are you doing at the moment? Um, oh, you know, this and that, Chris, this and that. Um, if you go to uh, Rebecca.world, uh, my contact details are there if you want. Uh, it's not that unupdated. Yeah. Rebecca. You, world. <laughs> do you have any more? You were you last time I think we recorded. You were releasing an album. Do you have anything new there? Is that place uh, in that area? No. Nope. Uh, if you go on the website, you can find all the music that I've made. Okay. Is there? Yeah. There's links cool. to everything. Fantastic. And Ben, how can people find the 
It's 4G, 4D. No, 5G, 4D. 5 games for Doomsday show. How can they So you go to 5gamesfordoomsday.com, but what I'm really trying to promote at the moment is my YouTube channel, which I've just started, and I'm doing videos and things. And that is just go to YouTube and look for 5 Games for Doomsday, and you'll see my stupid mug there. This is audio only. If you if if you want to see Ben with an amazing blue beard, then do do that. So <laughs> the blue my my beard color is the only similarity between me and the famous character. I've committed zero murders at this point in my life. At this point, I mean, never say never, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, you can find uh, myself at christianjilla.com for all my various, it's probably the easiest way just to find the various things I do. Gaming related, I have a the Solo Adventurer where I play solo roleplay games and interactive fiction and things like that. We also have an increasingly popular game writers hangout on Discord every two weeks that I need to find a way to actually promote it to people because it's becoming more and more popular and I don't really know how the best way to share it with people. So I will find out how to do that. It might interest some of you as well. Um, if you have a game you're developing and want feedback and just want to come along and chat about random mechanics and things, then that is turning into quite a nice little community, actually. So um, I need to find a way to promote that. That's up there as well. Uh, I have a, a roll and write game I've been working on for some time with a co-designer that will be ready very soon. We've been playtesting it fairly hard and um, nearly ready with it. And for the show itself, go to boardgamejerk.com where you'll find the previous four episodes. And also um, I updated the, uh, the, the dictionary for the bot recently. So it generates even more crazy randomness now. You can watch out, I think, weekly on Twitter at boardgamejerk. It tweets out. And you can even add it to Telegram, Slack, and Facebook Messenger, should you so wish. <laughs> Heavens know why you'd want to, but you can. So enjoy. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.